Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron, and today I have a very special guest star. It's uh, Heather Barron. And yes, she does have my last name, and yes, she is my niece. So, uh, welcome. Thank you. Guilty by association. Well, you know how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Uh, How is it up there, 9,500 feet? Well, right now it feels like fall. It's gray and it's in the upper 50s. So, Or it feels like the Bay Area on a not sunny day. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you do and the projects that you're starting. And one of the things that is a big part of your life right now or has been for quite a while is the integral life coaching Um, and I know a lot of people don't know what that means. You know, I think people hear the words life coach and, you know, it's almost taboo. Like I don't need a coach, a coach to (laughs) tell me how to run my life, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of myths and stigmatism around life coaching. So why don't you enlighten us and tell us the real deal. Well, I can tell you about my transmigration between feeling the same way about life coaching to actually becoming one, which was a pretty funny um, story. I was unemployed and looking for my next gig and what I was going to do in life. And I'd returned from an 81-day outward bound adventure, kind of my Mm. early midlife, early midlife crisis. (laughs) And I went on an 81 day wilderness adventure, one of the only women and definitely by far the oldest person (laughs) on the list. uh, Like what, were you 25 or something? No, I was, I was almost 30. And most of the, I didn't realize this when I signed up for the course, I thought this was the course of like becoming a guide because I'd done a lot of backpacking and I'd done a lot of backcountry and Mm -hmm. rafting and all the things on the list. Somehow I got confused and I (laughs) suddenly was with a bunch of 18 and 19 year old boys from like inner city Chicago. And basically it was this or the military for them. And they'd never (laughs) been in the backcountry. And it was, you know, on the first day I realized, oh, this is going to be a very different trip. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I came back from that and had had a couple of experiences on that trip that really um, started solidifying some things for me as figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be Um, because at that point I was divorced for two years and I lost my only child during childbirth and had kind of gone through a bit of uh, early midlife crisis of just thinking life was going to be one way and now here I was you know um, coming off of this wilderness course still looking for myself but feeling like some of those things were falling into place about who I wanted to be and um, what my sense of worth actually was mm-hmm. um, and learning about things like that. But I, uh, on that trip, had this uh, solo for three days where I fasted in the desert for three days and um, realized I needed to move to Ohio to get to know my family better. Hmm. And I grew up in California, but as you know, they moved across the country via Iowa, and now they were in Ohio, and I didn't really know my siblings well as adults, because I was the oldest, I'm the oldest of four, and so I didn't really know them very well, and I moved there to get to know the youngest ones as um, 
as older teenagers and adults. Mm-hmm. So I moved in with my little sister for a little bit. Um, but during that time, I was trying to figure out, okay, so now what do I do with myself? Like, I finally finished college. It took me 10 years, and I had finally finished college. I'd started a nonprofit, but didn't feel ready to settle down yet because I'd gotten married so young when I was 19 that I hadn't traveled. And so part of this wilderness experience was going out and doing the things I wish I had done earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, so here unemployed, I had three different trips that I took and three flights in a row sat next to different people, total strangers. And at the end of each flight, all three of these people on these different flights said, are you a life coach? What is that? Were you like having a therapy session with each one of these strangers as you're flying? Something must have happened on that wilderness trip because all of a sudden, apparently, like, you know, I would sit quietly, they'd start the conversations. And by the end of these flights, they'd ask me if I was a life coach. And I had never heard of this because I didn't Mm. watch TV. So I didn't watch Oprah. And that's what each one of them would say. I was like, what is that? The first person, what is that? And they're like, well, you know, like the lady on Oprah. And I'm like, no, I actually don't. The lady on Oprah. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen a life coach on Oprah. (laughs) Yeah, well, apparently this woman named Martha Beck had been on. She's kind of heralded as the first like Mm. national known life coach. But she started doing the same thing without having a title for it. Right. She just felt called in this way. And, you know, it's funny. I looked um, when I was I was Marie Kondoing my house, going through and KonMari my house and went through all my fundamental stuff. And all of the photos that I had from like dances in high school that people had given me, all of them, every one of them and the yearbooks, everybody said, you are such a good listener. I always feel better about myself when I talk to you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> my whole life. I didn't even know it. Yeah, so, people say that about me. Um, but, you I, know, I figured the grocery industry would, would take care of that. <laughs> hey, every industry needs good listeners. <laughs> so after yeah, these so three people told you, row, right, did right. you ask them for $500? Thank you. Right. Yeah, I should have. I should have. But, um after the third person said that, I was like, oh, okay, this might be like the universe knocking because here I am like, what do I do with myself and three people in a row? So I looked it up online and most of what I saw, I did not like. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of it was basically, it just seemed like you were creating a sense of dependence on yourself because you were a good listener and you could give good advice. I'm like, how's that different than being a counselor, except that counselors actually have certifications and education they have to go through and like, right actual um schooling you know code of ethics that they have to um follow and rules and yeah uh, and you're and not just, you're not a rule follower laughing. so well and i don't <laughs> i mean i totally am supportive of that but to me it just felt like maybe people were being fraudulent counselors basically right <laughs> and so um but then i stumbled on this uh this school in San Francisco. And again, I'm living in Ohio at this point, so it wasn't convenient. But um, I signed up for um, a day course, like you go out just for the day. Mm -hmm. And I went to this school, it was called New Ventures West. And I was going to be in Oakland to visit some friends anyways. So I signed up for their weekend course and went out to this course. And it was totally different than all the other ones that I was seeing. And it's called Integral Life Coaching. 
And basically it's not about, you know, having like these, just these ideas of how to make somebody's life better and telling them what to do to make it better. Uh But you pay, you pay attention to how each person relates to whatever they think their problem is or their topic is. And then you start to uncover how that's a way of relating to the whole, their whole life, their world, all their relationships. And you start to bring their attention to that and give them ways to self-coach through anything that comes up as a problem. Because usually somebody seeks out a life coach because they want to change their career or they want to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. They want to change something. And so you're paying attention to how they're relating to that topic um, and then creating uh, programming around how to integrate their life more so that they're aware of how their personality is playing into this and how they can learn communication skills that aren't just for, I want to have a relationship, you know, like a romantic relationship, but actually applies to how they communicate to everybody. Um, and so that, that really spoke to me because it had to do with helping people become like not making them dependent on me as mm-hmm. a coach, mm-hmm. helping them to become actualized to coach themselves. Mm-hmm. that was the first school that I saw that really, I felt that it was really helping people to help themselves rather than just, you know, <laughs> trying to get people to pay me money to be a good friend. Right. right. So, well, so I went through that the year long course. It was a year, a year long course. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So could you do that online or did you have to go to San Francisco? Um, I went out quarterly to San Francisco for the intensives, um, and then we were working with clients and having to turn in case studies and hmm. um, uh, trying the different tools. We also had to have a coach ourselves mm-hmm. because we had to know what it was like to be in that vulnerable position of looking to someone else um, and learning how it feels to be coached. Mm-hmm. Um to be that, that person who, you know, doesn't necessarily have the answer that you're looking for at that moment. And um, and then we would work with each other. The students worked with each other. And there were people from all different um, career backgrounds. So we had lawyers, we had corporate people trying to leave, you know, their corporate jobs or wanting to become a coach, an integral life coach to bring a new kind of coaching into their corporate world. I've been an integral life coach for 12 years. Um I think one of the challenges for me has been that uh, the people I feel like I wanted to help the most, it was cost pro- so cost prohibitive or so time intensive that I, they couldn't sign up for the courses mm-hmm. um, in the way that I had been taught how to coach, um, where you design a whole program for a person and you, you know, integrate their lives and then, and then set them free with their, their tools to go through life. Um, and so I'd, I'd had a hard time with that. So I stopped advertising myself specifically for that. And it was mostly word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing my other jobs <laughs> that actually paid the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were a wrangler of teen kids, right? Teenagers? Yes, actually. Now that's what I do. <laughs> I live, live with 14 teenagers during nine months of the year. And... Uh, I call myself their professional mom because basically <laughs> I'm in charge of everything that's not the teaching part. You know, there's a lot of teaching involved, but it's like how to go shopping and cook for 25 people because the kids cook, mm-hmm. um, pick meals and 
the chores, getting them to go through chores and getting them to wake up and being on curfew. <laughs> and so this, this getting them to wake up. Is just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if I could get them to go to bed, the waking up part would be a lot easier. But <laughs> but it is my job to do both of those. So. Right. Um, so I do, I do a lot of coaching. I do a ton of coaching and that's a big part of why I was hired to be the residential head, which is my title. I'm in mm-hmm. charge of the residential side of things at this uh, private school in the mountains. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, this will, this, it looks like it's going to be my last year and we're in transition for the school. Um, because of what's happening with my coaching business all of a sudden and mm-hmm. how that's taking off in really fun ways. So, you want to tell us more um, about that? Sure. Um, so, like you said, I've, I'm wrangling teenagers now. This will be my fourth year doing that. And then the four years prior to that, I was wrangling college, college women. I lived in a house with 50 college girls. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, sophomore through senior year, which was a blast. I had such a great time with them and was kind of a character educator, but also a living guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of coaching um, with them, and uh, that was a really awesome time. But I missed home. That was in the Midwest, and home for me is the Rocky Mountains. And mm-hmm. so I came back here, and then this job opened up, and I thought, well, I have the skill set for it. <laughs> and it's a school that I love. Um, but it's it hasn't really been my calling. I'm good at it. I'm mm-hmm. good at working with youth, with the youths that keep youths. me young. <laughs> <laughs> the youths <laughs> they keep me knowing, you know, what's hip and <laughs> right. That's not even hip anymore, by the way. That word's not even hip. But <laughs> well, you know, you're, but, uh, you're taking it from that movie, so right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The two youths. The two youths. <laughs> <laughs> the you the the <laughs> yes so um which is fun and I love young people I really do love working with them but my calling really is to um to help women to work with women specifically um and help them and just I guess for lack of a better term optimizing their lives like taking taking what they have and seeing what they have in this world and what they have to give and mm-hmm. what that their worth is not dependent on usually what we think it is. Right. Um, so I had, um, this all started this past spring when somebody sought me out and, and basically begged me to be their life coach. And I was like, I'm not really coaching right now. I can't take on clients at that capacity. And, and she really talked me into it. And I'm so glad she did because, working with her just what it just reminded me of what my sweet spot is mm-hmm. um up for women and holding up a mirror and and um bringing these tools to the table that just help so much for people to to feel more at home in their own skin right. and to me and what my life has been about has been coming home to feeling at home in my own skin. And I don't know why that seems to be such a hard thing. I mean, there's lots of social theory around that, but, um, but I really had found, um, had really come home to myself and loved being in my own skin and, and uh, inviting others to do the same. Mm -hmm. And so working with her, I thought, okay, well, I'll start coaching again. So I worked on my website and got it all up again 
and once again was hit with, oh my gosh, this is just so cost prohibitive to have this few clients. It has to cost this much to have it as a business. Right. And, you know, when you spread that over a few people, that's a lot of money for a few people. And um, I started just really opening my heart to like, well, maybe there's something I haven't thought of before. And uh, this idea came, what, what if I created like content that was online that I created once and then, you know, I'll refresh it every so often, but I create it once. So it's already in existence. Mm-hmm. Time-wise, that takes that amount of time to create it, put it online, create it so that it's a drip sequence where people move forward at their own pace as they're able to. So you hit a rough patch in life and you can't do as much of it, then it's okay. It's still there. Uh, and, and do it as a membership where, you know, it costs less than a massage per month. Mm-hmm. And suddenly was like, oh my gosh, that's totally affordable. It still costs money, so people will be invested in the process. Right, and see that value, if, yeah. Right, but if somebody has like a rough month, it's not like they just blew $700 on that month. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um, all of a sudden there was this possibility for what I had to offer, and I started listening out like, okay, so what would that content look like? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have so much. <laughs> like there's just so much that I've collected over 12 years of how to help people. And there are so many things that are common issues. Right, right. You know, the worst the worst question is one of the biggest, like that sense of like knowing what our worth is and, you know, there are so many different pieces of how to feel at home in yourself and how to come home to yourself and how to see why you don't feel at home in yourself mm-hmm. and to start to build build ways to to counteract that or to, you know, just learn how to do that. And so um, as I started putting it together and running it past different people who were like, oh my gosh, I would totally pay for that. I, I so need something like that in my life. I started to realize that my focus is on coaching busy women in the practice of self-care and being a sense of soul support. So for people who feel like there's something a little bit more that they want to care about, not just the nuts and bolts of life, but really giving that sense of soul support for people, Mm -hmm. um, feel connected to beauty, to feel connected to things that just are um, life affirming and heart strengthening, you know, right? not just fitness coaching, not just career coaching, not just, you know, what is this kind of life coaching? It really is about learning how to practice self-care in ways that you can do that at stoplights or standing in line at the grocery store or taking a shower, brushing your teeth, breastfeeding your baby at two o'clock in the morning, you know, like mm-hmm. things that you can practice while still living your life. Right. You don't have to have half a day to go on an artist date, which I love the idea of, but don't know a lot of women who can afford that amount of time. So, so. Yeah, and I think in this day and age, there people are doing so many things, whether you're a working mom or um, just a mom in general or just a working person, there's a lot to do and with this hustle and bustle, instant gratification and, you know, everything. everybody wants things fixed now without right. the effort right. of fixing them. Um, yeah. I think that's important to have that option because then a lot of women in the past have felt that they don't have that option so it's great that that's it's there now and then they can make that decision for themselves instead of just passing it off to 
just one other thing they have to deal with. Right. Right. And, you know, those self-care pieces, like my focus is for busy women and moms or not moms. It doesn't matter. Just busy women, because we do seem to have this epidemic of busyness, like Mm -hmm. constantly feeling busy because there's just constant stimulation. And so there's something is always demanding our attention, Mm -hmm. whether it's a child, a boss, you know, an ad flashing on a banner on the Internet. There's something that is always demanding our attention and to learn how, how to cultivate stillness in small doses to start off with. I think what happens and what I've seen with, with people is that just starting with that little bit, it's like that gateway drug, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just, just that like 30 second hit of self-care suddenly starts <laughs> like, wow, I just, even when I do just 30 seconds of it, I have a better day. Right. And suddenly it's like, okay, well, if I did that three times in a day, what happens? And then when I do that five times in a day, what happens? And suddenly instead of, which I'm totally guilty of, binge watching some, some show that has amazing writing and great characters that I love flipping into their life for a little while, mm-hmm. I'm instead cultivating a life I want to inhabit myself. Right. And those things expand and they start, you start to feel that sense of actual care, actual restoration, as opposed to just numbing. Mm. And you start feeling that sense of care, you know, seeing what else is possible in your life, that you're a different kind of person to be around for the people you love. And suddenly you're not so quick to react to things. It is a slow build. Um, but it actually doesn't take that much to shift in pretty major ways because right. we're just just so distracted these days as a culture. So, right. so it's amazing to see how little somebody actually needs to then be truer to who they want to be in the world, you know? Well, I think from my personal uh, point of view is that a lot of times you're scared to stop and to to listen and to take care of yourself or somehow go deeper because it's like when you keep busy or you watch you know eight episodes of a show on Netflix in one sitting you know it's like (laughs) I've never done that (laughs) it's so much easier to deal with shit you know what I mean well at least it seems that way but um, but to take that initial step to go deeper. I mean, I've been in therapy. I went, I did therapy in my twenties for three years Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was good for that moment, but you know, I haven't really, I've had some spiritual counseling. You know, I've had a friend that was my, I call her my spiritual advisor. And that was only when Mm -hmm. I was like at the point where I either needed to talk to somebody or I was going right. to go walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like... I said, maybe not make it to the other side. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's right. good to have a practice, you know, of a daily practice right. so that you don't get to those points. Yeah, absolutely. And how to create and cultivate that, you know, with, um, I think when you're ready for something like that, maybe not everything around you is ready to support that. And so part of what, um, I've been working on and creating with um, this online for Luminous Life. This online platform is hopefully creating a sense of community, which I'm still learning all the technology about stuff like mm-hmm. this. Holy, mo- 
lot out there. There's a lot. Um, but learning how to create community in a cyber space is one thing. But my ideal is that this way, that's where it starts. But we take it into, as my teenagers say, IRL, into real life. <laughs> oh, is <laughs> that what that means? I didn't even know that. You know. <clears throat> yeah, that's what IRL is. Hey, everybody, guess what? If you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, IRL means. <laughs> in real life. Alive, yes. We're taking it from the URL to the IRL. So. <laughs> uh, but so, so cultivating community online is really tough, and I'm really working to learn how to do that and not just have it be, oh, I'm the coach, so everybody looks to, you know, I post a prompt, then people respond to that. Okay, that's great, but my goal is to actually learn as as we're going deeper into this, how to create a sense of community where people can connect and see, number one, they're not alone. Number two, they're totally human like the rest of these people. Mm-hmm. And, and find people who are actually in the same boat as they are, you know, new moms versus moms of high schoolers versus childless by choice or women who weren't able to have kids but are still developing these who wanted kids, weren't able to have them and have turned their attention in other ways. And that these small groups of support will pop up over time. Mm-hmm. But even more importantly, that women will be able to get together in real life. And so we'll be creating retreats and events that are bringing people together around this idea of seeing themselves as whole souls. And um, that's a big part of what I do is I start from a place of wholeness. Everything I do starts from a place of wholeness. It's not from a place of brokenness, let's fix you. But this idea of starting that the wisdom you need is already there and that we get to create the space where you get to feel safe enough to take the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) to not, instead of which gets us through the day, you know, or the wine moms groups of like drinking wine is awesome and connecting with people is awesome, but they're often that deeper level is what people are really craving. And so being a space where we can feel safe enough to go deeper, to to actually open those doors and see what comes pouring out that we've been ignoring for years or Mm -hmm. even just days, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then at it look at it and see what's there and then see what sort of internal wisdom we have to, to really deal with it. Right. So that sense of feeling whole soul, creating community around that so that as new women come into the group, um, because this is such a new thing, that's going to take a little bit of time. But as new women go through the different coaching modules, they come out the other side with other women who are ready to welcome them and to see them as whole when they're not feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, offer that support and reflection on what it was like to be in that place themselves. And so the vision around this is pretty big and it's very exciting. And clearly I'm not going to be able to have a full-time job besides <laughs> it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot of work. It is. It is. But, it, you know, I've never felt so passionate about anything in my whole life. And yeah. so it's what I feel called to do. And that's exciting. Well, that's, you know. that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. So what is it? What's the, um, it's Luminous Life? So the the name of the company is Luminous Life. Okay. And so the website uh, or where people can go to to get more information. Do you want to give that out yet? I would love to. Okay. (laughs) Spill it. Okay. Luminous-life.com. And don't forget the dash. Because otherwise you'll go someplace else. There's another luminous <laughs> life out there. <laughs> Don't go to the but dark side. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> Don't forget the dash, luminous-life.com. Great. And they can contact you through that website if they need to. Yeah, they absolutely can. They absolutely can. They can also just uh, email me, heather at luminous-life.com. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to hear from people who have questions or ideas um, or are interested in being put on the subscriber list. We're, we're looking for our big launch in January mm-hmm. of 2020. So by then we should have a lot more in place with all these pieces of technology that I'm just getting <laughs> to learn right now. Uh... <laughs> so just real briefly, um, as far as like a toolkit for life coaching, what are like the top, say, three things that someone needs to, or I guess what's in the toolkit of life coaching? Is there such a thing? And maybe just list a few things that people need to kind of integrate. Yeah. Well, I would say that the, the tools that I use the most are one, some way of creating a self-observation, a mechanism for self-observation. Because until you know how you are doing things, not how you think you are doing things, (laughs) but how you actually are doing them, then you cannot see what's at the root of whatever is Hmm. causing you to coaching. So self-observation. And these are, you know, these are principles that I was taught in integral life coaching. So you need to have a mechanism for observing yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you need to have practices. Um, So you have your self-observation to figure out what's going on. And then you need to have practices that you're going to start practicing (laughs) to do them repeatedly. And sometimes they're things that are not, most often they're things that are not very um, intuitive. Otherwise, we would be doing them. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps we know that life would be better with them, but there's something in the way that we're not addressing. So to practice it has been hard. So one of the things about coaching is I never take anything from somebody. Like, say, you have to quit smoking is one of the most basic, you know, I would never say something like that. But you create things that... um, you create practices that start to fill a place that might be getting served by something that's less healthy. And as you fill that void or that need up with this new practice, sometimes those things just fall away. Mm-hmm. So rather than trying to get rid of something, you're practicing new things to fill that space hmm. um, of whatever an, an unhealthy habit is already serving. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, most people don't set out to just, I just want to be unhealthy. That's just how I want to live <laughs> my life. They do, right. they do this to help them get through the day, right? right? And so helping to build, and usually in very small doses. So um, a stillness practice would be one of the most important things to start to develop mm-hmm. um, for any person, which is terrifying for most people. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. So the freebie that I'll give you that I love so much is this practice I call being held and it's taking a moment and you sit in a chair where you can feel your feet on the ground and you feel the ground is actually holding your feet. They're not holding themselves up. Right. Mm -hmm. And then feel you move up your body to where your, your tailbone is sitting in the chair and you feel yourself being held by that chair. And you take a few breaths at each point. So at the feet first, you take a a couple of deep breaths in and out. 
as you move up, you feel yourself being held in the chair. You feel the back of the chair supporting you. And then you just take a few moments of five deep breaths of just feeling what it is to be held hmm. rather than feeling like you have all of this that you have to carry around. You're holding your whole life up on your shoulders. You're holding so much in your head that you have to keep organized. You're holding this schedule, holding people's lives together, your children or your neighbors or you taking care of your elderly mother or whatever. Um, you let go of those things for just that time of, of breathing and let yourself feel what it is to be held. Hmm. And you just, you can do that in a matter of 30 seconds. You can do that at a stoplight. You can actually do that standing up. Like I said, in the grocery line, you can stand there and feel the earth holding you mm -hmm. just for a moment. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's, so much research, obviously, that's out there about breathing. <laughs> right. Yes, there is. Just stop <laughs> to breathe. So really, most stillness practices are getting you to actually spend quality time <laughs> breathing. So there's the, you know, that's the, the man behind the curtain right there. <laughs> right. You just actually consciously breathe deeply. <laughs> You know, once or twice a day. At sea level, you really don't have to think about breathing. It's like you right. can't, you have to breathe unless something happens to you that's very horribly wrong. At elevation, you actually have to work to breathe. Right. <laughs> you have to so consciously, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not breathing. It's very <laughs> when I'm holding my breath or holding, you know, holding tension, which makes me, usually happens because we're not breathing. Mm-hmm. But as you do that practice of feeling held, just mentally what you're doing is you're letting go of thinking that you are the holder of the whole universe, that you are the glue that's keeping everything together. So that's, that's one of my favorites. I practice it all the time myself, but it is one of the ones that has had the most impact on my, on my clients as well. Right. Yeah, and being able to take that moment to just be still and not be on your phone and not... You know, even when you're standing in line at the grocery store, don't yeah. don't be on your phone. Just kind of be still and breathe. And right, conscious stillness and conscious breath are the two things that come from from any time you pause, stop with the distractions. You know, for me, I have an Apple Watch, so I literally have to take my watch off. <laughs> Because it, it taps me all the time. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, one of the things it does tap me to do is breathe, which is probably good at this elevation. <laughs> so I'll, It'll be like, hey, hey, take yeah, a deep breath. <laughs> I had one. It would tell me when to stand up. Right, right. And I'd be like, I can't stand up right now. And I would keep like, <laughs> you know, canceling it. It's like, leave me alone. I can't stand up right now. <laughs> I'm too busy working. <laughs> so if that tells me anything... About what my yeah. life has been. Right, right. Yeah, so. so finding those ways to cultivate that breath and that stillness. Yeah. And that stillness is internal stillness. So everything around you can still go crazy. Right. But that internal stillness, as you build that practice, as it expands in you, it becomes the thing that creates this space between stimulus and response. Mm -hmm. So that there's just that moment of pause that, Stillness and breath create that space to pause between what's telling you it needs your attention and what you're going to do with that information. Mm -hmm. And 
having that space between stimulus and response stops a lot of fights. <laughs> it stops a lot of road rage. It stops a lot of <laughs> bad decisions mm-hmm. that we're making because we're in sort of fight, flight, or freeze mode, right. which is just part of being human. It's just part of being human. But as soon as you take a deep breath, you are sending yourself information that says, oh, we're not about to be eaten by a giant saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> right. Okay. So I can actually take a deep breath. It's just your boss breath. coming towards your desk. That's all. <laughs> and he may look like he or she has saber-tooth, saber-teeth, but <laughs> <laughs> really they're just in fight, flight, or freeze mode themselves. So we right. don't have to take that on and then make it contagious and spread it to everything else we're doing when right. we create that that. Uh, pause in ourselves mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's an inside job so right. we're gonna that's what they keep telling figure me that out. <laughs> yeah that's what they keep telling me too sometimes and, you just uh, don't want to go in the door you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh yeah oh i know for me it's outside my door sometimes i don't want to step outside my door <laughs> yeah. into a world of teenage craziness <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah. And I know that the listeners are going to love this information and definitely practice the stillness, the pause. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbassiani. You can find him at mikeimbassiani.com. Mm-hmm.